Welcome to the Vital Goddess Podcast, where we explore an empowering and sexy reframe on midlife, menopause, and beyond. I'm your host, Diane Shepard, certified holistic sexuality coach with a specialty in the Taoist jade egg practice and a passion for lifelong vitality. I call midlife and menopause the passion portal, an initiation into the most vital, creative, and sexiest chapter of a woman's life if we choose it. And we have a lot more agency than we've been led to believe. You see, from the Taoist perspective, your sexual energy, also known as your libido, is not just about sex, it's the foundation of everything. Your mental and physical health, your creativity, and so much more. It's your personal holy grail, your personal wellspring of vitality. And midlife is the perfect time to tap into it. I offer a mind, body, spirit, and trauma-informed perspective on Taoist and Tantric practices that support you in reclaiming your pleasure, unleashing your inner goddess, and aligning with your true desires so that you can rebirth your life and rock your third chapter like a queen. If you're done feeling like you're being put out to pasture, you are in the right place. I have a hunch that you're just getting started. The best is yet to come. You see, we're in the midst of a renaissance here. A new way of being human on the planet is emerging and reclaiming our sensuality has everything to do with it. I believe that turned on seasoned women will lead the way in creating a new world where everyone gets to thrive. These are no ordinary times and you, my friend, are no ordinary woman. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Well, hello there, beautiful. Welcome back to the show. It is always such an honor to have you here if you've been here before. And if you're brand new to the show, welcome, welcome. I'm really thrilled you're here checking this out to see if this is a thing that is supportive for you. (laughs) So um, my intention here is to always do my best to support women uh, who really want to reclaim their sensuality, their pleasure, their unique sacred beauty, so they can embody the love that they really are at the core. Yeah. And if there's any time that I feel is important to do that, it's now we're on the planet at a very special time that um, can definitely feel overwhelming. But I also feel like it's all going somewhere really good and we all have a part to play. So great. The episode this week I want to focus on is kind of a continuation of what I was exploring, what we were exploring last time in when I was talking about the Venusian Revolution and why I'm calling the New Earth the Venusian Revolution. So you may want to check that out as well, where I go into some deeper implications of the archetype of the archetype of the goddess of, you know, sensuality, pleasure, beauty, and love, and why she wants to emerge right now come out of exile and really be embodied, right? And that's how we bring this energy to the planet is through embodiment. So I go into a deeper dive into that, um, you know, in in a general way. But in this episode, I wanted to focus in on your personal Venus and, um, you know, really kind of support you in developing a more intimate relationship with this 
important part of you, your inner goddess, um, and go into, you know, maybe why would you care? You know, why would you care about embodying your Venus, getting to know your Venus? And I'll do a quick um, overview through the zodiacal or astrological signs of how Venus, you know, expresses through the various signs from Aries all the way through Pisces. But before we dive into all of that juiciness, I just want to let you know that I'll be going on my summer break. And for me, that means spending time with family and friends at music festivals and hiking in the mountains. So I'll be off the grid a lot, on and off the grid. And I'll be taking some some time off, about three or four weeks off here. And I'll be back with the podcast on August 19th. I always publish on Fridays because Friday is Venus Day. And um, so on the 19th of August, I'll be back, but I'll be off for a while, you know, spending time with loved ones and, um, you know, just you know, rejuvenating all that good stuff that uh, we, we do in summer. And summer is so short here in the Northern Hemisphere. So <laughs> I think it's important to take advantage of it. And yeah, so definitely want to let you know that. And I also want to say in celebration of your personal Venus, I'm having a super summer sale on my mastermind, Second Spring Queen, which if you've been vibing with the pod- podcast content, um, you definitely want to check this out. I, it's it's an incredibly powerful program, and it's really designed to support you long term, right? So I'm in this for the long haul, I often say, and I don't want that to sound heavy. What I mean by that is you're unfolding with all of these things that I talk about here. You're unfolding of your own sensuality, your own pleasure, that reclamation. You're unfolding of your own expression of beauty, your sacred beauty, your radiance, and your journey into a deeper embodiment of love, right? These are all Venus themes. Um, It takes time and it can't be rushed. What I found to be true is that when we try to pack it in to a six or eight week program, and then that's it, you go on your merry way, it really doesn't stick. So I wanted to create something really special where women can come, you know, like a temple, like, um, rhythmic um, connection where we can keep the energy flowing, where you can keep evolving and going deeper in to these sensual arts, these Venusian arts, if you will. So Second Spring Queen is a mastermind for all of that. It's a beautiful container. And I recently restructured it. I used to have private one-on-one coaching you know, in the offer, which, you know, made it costly, of course, because private coaching, you know, costs money and it's time, it's it's an investment. So I wanted to restructure it a bit. So that's an option. You can certainly sign up for private coaching with me. Um, but I wanted to take that out to make it more affordable, you know, for, for a lot of people. I understand that, you know, finances can be a block to th- this work a lot of the times. So um, I restructured it. And if you want all the details in the program, I should say before I go any further, uh, the Vital Goddess Masterclass, I always link it in the show notes, that I go into a deep dive on explaining what exactly is involved in all that. So if you want to really have a breakdown on what it is that I'm offering, definitely check that out. It's about, I don't know, 50 minute masterclass. So it's pretty lengthy, but I go into a lot about the sacred feminine and, you know, how we know we're cut off with from it and why it's so important to, um, you know, reclaim this power. And um, so I go into the details there. 
But right now I was able to lower the price by extracting the coaching program option to $1,200. And so that what that does, it, it gives you lifelong access to the content and also to our temple sessions, which are amazing. <laughs> so this is where we meet live on Zoom and I guide you through a practice, which I feel that this is the way these practices are meant to be taught, you know, um, from a woman who's done a lot of work and embodied it. And, and then I can guide you through and you can like step-by-step step really unfold, right? And I have um, a super summer sale actually on that price even. So for now, what I'm offering is this whole enchilada for five ninety seven, and I have a payment plan where you can pay that over four months. So what is that one hundred and fifty a month for four months? Will get you in the door to this um, program, and that will you know be there for you, serving you life long. And we start up our temple sessions, our fall session, if you will. It's like semesters that when we meet live, I kind of organized it in semesters now. So from the Northern Hemisphere perspective, that will be fall for some of you summer. Um, our fall semester will start in September. We'll meet um, for those temple sessions. So anyway, get get all the details and the Vital Goddess Masterclass. The first step is to set up a private session with me, which I call your Pleasure Queen Activation Session, where I'll guide you through a body-based practice and you know we'll feel in, talk about all the details, get all your questions answered so you can really get a feel if this is right for you at this particular time. So again, if you're vibing with the content, I highly recommend you hop in there, even if you feel really busy in your life right now, it'll be there for you. You want to take advantage of this super summer sale. In my opinion, it's a no brainer if this is something you're interested in. So yeah, the link to book a free session with me is also in the show notes. All right, so let's talk Venus, the goddess of sensual pleasure, of sacred beauty, and embodied love. And the embodied love piece is so key. And it's so needed on the planet right now. This is really, we're being called out by Venus. I feel she's calling. She wants her crown back. And I go into this in more detail in the previous episode when I talk about the Venusian revolution and how all things Venus, right? Her arts, the Venusian arts, this way of being human on the planet, this way of, of um, celebrating life, of worshiping and of embodied prayer, embodied love has been exiled you know, for thousands of years now, and exiled by these dominator cultures that used violence and hierarchy, oppression to, um, you know, drive these arts underground. And why would they do that? Well, because this is powerful stuff, right? If you want to dominate a people, take away their sex, take away their sensuality, you take away their connection to their own body in that way, their connection to others, you take away their connection, their sacred erotic connection to the earth, where the ancient people would would get um, this deep connection to the earth that was sacred and therefore have uh, be in communion, right? Be in communion with the earth's energy and the sky's energy, which really um, enabled them to be powerful, right? Getting their own downloads, if you will. And you know, cutting cutting people off from that would probably be the first step if you wanted to really violently dominate people and make them do what you want them to do, right? 
So you cut off their, their direct line to the sacred in that way. Then you cut off, of course, their connection to true beauty. When we are cut off from our sensuality, we are cut off from beauty. We're cut off from our, our beauty, our sacred beauty, and which is really just a manifestation of the divine, and cut off from the beauty of nature which also is a manifestation of the divine. So again, it's like cutting your worship of the sacred off at the root, literally, when you you take away people's beauty. And there's a wonderful quote by astrologer Caroline W. Casey when she's talking about Venus. She says, Venus reminds us that the opposite of aesthetic, when we say aesthetic in terms of, say, our own sensual expression, our beauty, um, the opposite of, of aesthetic is anesthetic. And that really makes sense, doesn't it? It it um it makes us go numb. And I feel that collectively we've all been in a state of freeze, a state of numbness. So when we are cut off from our own personal Venus and the collective Venus, this energy, we go numb, right? And when people are numb, they're really easy to manipulate and control. And it also really puts this um constant anxiety and fear, scarcity, the scarcity mindset becomes embodied. And people who are in that scarcity mindset, right, trying to fight over a little piece of the pie, not understanding that um, there's enough pie for everyone if we all open, right? <laughs> and, and yeah, it's, um, it, it, it really induces this state that is really easy to control, right? And of course, the churches saw that too and came in and said, oh yeah, this is great stuff to <laughs> you control people's worship this way as well, right? Take away the sacredness of sensuality, sexuality, beauty. And then you, you put a middleman in there, literally, you can tell them to do whatever you want them to do. You can make them go to war. You can, you know, take all their money, take their land if you feel like, and, you know, basically rape whoever you want to, right? And that's been the norm for thousands of years to the point where we kind of accept it. And so that numbness, that that um, anesthetic that has been injected in all of us, it really cuts us off from the ability to, our natural birthright, to embody love. The embodied love piece, again, I think is huge because without it, we get this different expression of love that is by necessity infiltrated with martyrdom in a sense of giving from an empty cup of being too altruistic of um you know making it really a collection of functions of what we do for others we're really embodied love it's like you are more than enough your essence is love and from there we take aligned action from there we engage with our lives right I hope that makes sense. But for me, the, the doorway into all of that was, was pleasure and really embodying my own unique expression of Venus, which is an ongoing thing, right? I'm always learning more, always unfolding more, and it's a lifelong thing, which is, again, why I wanted to create a deeper container to do this kind of work. So yeah, when we start to engage with Venus, here's the good news. We have the agency to take it all back. We really do. We have a lot more agency than we've been led to believe, like I say in the intro. 
And I believe it is through these Venusian arts, these pleasure arts, where we can remember to remember, we start to remember from the inside out who we really are when we reclaim our pleasure, our, our sensuality, reclaim our sacred beauty. And um, yeah, I don't know, beauty can be triggering for a lot of people because it's been hijacked. And um, But sacred beauty is divine, the manifestation of divine, right? Divinity. And when we really start to embody the love that we are, that's how we change the world, in my opinion. The ripple effect of this is huge. And I've seen it in my my own life. I've seen it in um, clients I've worked with over the years. Like they start to land this power and everything changes, you know? And it's really, it's, I feel so honored to be able to witness that in my work. So your personal Venus is, I feel the the ticket, right? In so many ways. So a beautiful tool to work with on this path. And it's been really powerful for me and some of my clients who are open to it is to work with astrology. Astrology, your natal chart um, holds so much beautiful information that can really help awaken these parts of you that might may have gone dormant, right? That may have been anesthetized, especially Venus, I find quite often um, is maybe slumbering on some level, right? So if we could just give like a little bit of a wake up call, when we start to place attention on these different parts of us, they start to wake up, they start to stretch and activate and come alive in your life. And I find astrology can be beautiful for that. It's like a map or your own personal mandala that can really give you an idea how these energies want to dance through you. So if you're open to it, I recently opened up my astrology coaching offering that I call Embodied Love Astrology Coaching. And the first step is to book a goddess on a mission, deep dive into your natal chart. And I'll definitely link that in the show notes as well, if you're interested in checking that out and reading some testimonials on women that I've shared this with in the past. And it's um, it could be a great gateway in to this world of using astrology in your sensual practice. And I think they're a beautiful mesh. Um, in a way, you can say this is where, you know, astrology and tantra meet, right? And I think it's, it can be a beautiful combination. Again, if, if that's in alignment with you and your 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 core beliefs, it can be a, a beautiful way to explore. So what I want to offer here in this episode is just give you a broad stroke of how Venus may express through the various astrological signs, the various zodiacal archetypes. And so you can just start to play with this, again, in the spirit of fun and curiosity, exploration, and to see how this lands with you. Quite often, we can be cut off from our Venus or maybe expressing the, what I like to call the hungry Venus, right? If you look up online, you'll often see, okay, in the shadow expression of say Venus and Scorpio, vindictive, jealous, da, 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 you know, all the negative things. And in my opinion, those are just expressions of Venus not being honored, not being fed. So what I want to offer here are just like some guidelines, maybe some inspiration on how to feed or honor this expression of Venus. Because when we do honor and feed Venus, the shadow of Venus falls away, right? You don't have those negative expressions. And I think that sometimes um, in some of the horoscopy you know, explanations of astrology, it could almost sound like um, 
pathological in a way, you know what I mean? Like trying to diagnose you like, ooh, you have an afflicted Venus. I think all of that is bullshit, actually, that we all have an incredibly beautiful, powerful expression of this energy. And I was blessed to study with people who view astrology that way, very much through the lens of the feminine, that um, any shadow or negative you know, energy, it, it really is just like calling out for love, calling out to be nourished and fed. So hope that makes sense. So what I'm going to do here is just go through the signs very briefly. And remember too, that the sign your Venus is in is only a small part of your Venusian expression. There most likely are outer planets that are dancing with your Venus or even personal planets, like have in aspect, we say in astrology. So that's has a a deep influence on your expression. To give you an example from my own chart, I have Venus in Scorpio. And, you know, it's, I definitely feel that Scorpio energy. However, she is conjunct, which means close to, next to, dancing with, cheek to cheek, if you will, Neptune, which is a very mystical, magical planet, you know, and it rules Pisces. So think of the ocean, think of infinite love and dissolving into bliss and ecstasy, very different from the expression of Scorpio, which can be very focused, right? So my my energy tends to be a lot more diffuse. So my expression of Venus and Scorpio is going to be very different from somebody else's, you know? So we all have our own unique nuances. Also, the house that your Venus resides in can have a huge influence on how she expresses or wants to express through you. So again, this is just to give you a springboard, something to play with. So we'll begin with the beginning of the zodiac, which is Aries. So how does Venus and Aries want to be honored? How does Venus and Aries want to be fed? Well, here we have a fire sign. She's a fire sign and a cardinal sign. So Venus and Aries is very actional, likes to step into life, get things started. Venus and Aries wants to be honored, worshipped even, for her skill in that of really getting things moving, taking action. Venus and Aries loves to have a cause to fight for, fighting the good fight. And that can also extend into competition, not competition to pummel an, an opponent, but really for the love of the game. Venus and Aries loves to be engaged in some kind of um, a cause or game. Again, very actional. Quite often, Venus and Aries wants to be athletic, or this can express in other ways too, like through the intellect or through whatever passion Venus and Aries engages in, it's always going to have that element of stepping in to the fire, right? Really getting involved, getting hands dirty, and, um, you know, not being afraid to, to be bold, right? It's a very bold step into life kind of energy. Now, Venus in Taurus, this is an earth sign, an earth expression, and a fixed energy. So what this means, it's a very self-referred, not selfish. Sometimes Taurus, Venus in Taurus gets accused of being selfish. And that's an expression when Venus is hungry, right? Selfish and stubborn. You hear that a lot, right? That's just a hungry Venus. So what she really wants, right, is to be honored for her ability to dive deep, to be so deeply involved in her experience of pleasure that she bec- she's an Epicurean. She knows the exact coffee bean, the roast of coffee bean that will put her into a swoon and the exact stroke in lovemaking that will, you know, just put her into ecstatic, deep, sensual pleasure. And also connected to the beauty of Mother Earth, 
really wants to be honored for her unique expression, her unique ability to land that connection, to remind us all, right, to really teach us all of the beautiful erotic connection we have to earth. So Venus and Taurus, um, yeah, just really wants to be honored for that. This is the sign of, yes, you could say earth mother, but also the courtesan of a, uh, a student of pleasure, always, always diving into what what is it, what's the way that we can even take our pleasure next level, right? So again, earth sign, self-referred, don't let people tell you you're selfish. Your Venus is just hungry, right? So you want to feed her, honor her, and she will pay you back in spades. So Venus and Gemini, Gemini is an air sign and a mutable sign, which means changeable like a chameleon, right? And quite often you hear Venus or Gemini in general being accused of being flighty or noncommittal or unreliable or maybe even deceptive and, um, you know, all those things. But really what wants to be honored here is the beauty that Venus and Gemini brings, this beautiful air quality of being changeable, of really inviting us all into taking things more lightly. My gosh, right? (laughs) Much needed. It's a beautiful flirtatious energy. And Venus in Gemini invites us all to ditch the negative connotations of flirtation. She wants to bring back the art of flirtation, which absolutely is misunderstood. It really is the art of bringing other people higher. When flirting is done well, it changes the vibration of an entire room for those who are ready to to go there, right? It can really light up the room. So Venus and Gemini says, hey, let's lighten up. Let's have more fun, freedom, and, and, and flirt in a way that it doesn't have to mean anything. It can just be a way to, to love the world, to, to, to um, raise the vibration, right? So again, any kind of negative expression you see or negative accusations around Venus and Gemini, just reframe it by like, ooh, yeah, how can I honor my unique gifts of Venus and Gemini? How can I feed her and really um, take this expression next level? So Venus in Cancer. So here we have Venus in her water element. And this is also a cardinal sign. So this is an actional energy. And Venus in Cancer really wants to be honored and fed really for her beautiful, unique gifts of creating safe space for others. Venus in Cancer has a a unique gift of really reaching in and feeling what others truly need. It's a beautiful, emotional, intimate energy that um, it's a gift that Venus and Cancer has for understanding what people need and to really create safe space for people to get their needs met, to get their nourishment met. And this can be misunderstood as that you're here to feed the world and exhaust yourself. Absolutely not. <laughs> this is... um about feeding yourself first, but also really honoring that you have this beautiful gift and you want to use it wisely, right? You want to use it in ways that support you and your path. You don't want to um, give your pearls to swine, if you will. You want to be really discerning about, you know, who is the inner circle that you are here to, to create safe space for and really honor boundaries. Super important with this expression of Venus. 
So Venus in Leo. So here we are in another fire sign and a fixed energy. So again, this is self-referred. And boy, do we hear Venus in Leo or Leo in general get accused of being selfish, self-absorbed all the time, right? It really is your job, Venus and Leo, to be self-referred, to let it be about you. Because when you shine, your radiance, your light is about being so ridiculously head over heels in love with yourself that your radiance actually nourishes everyone around you. And that's true for all of us. But Venus and Leo here is is here to remind us all that we have that ability. And when you are in that self-love, stepping into that self-love, it lights up everybody. It reminds us all how valuable we are, how we're so worthy of love. So don't let anyone tell you you're selfish. Just feed that fire, feed that self-love in, in the healthiest way. And you'll see this magic of Leo start to activate in your life. So Venus in Virgo, this could be an archetype that is so misunderstood. This is an earth sign and a mutable sign. Again, a changeable energy. I like to think of Venus in Virgo as the high priestess. She is the expression of Venus that knows the cycles, the seasons, the rituals, the precise rituals. It's about detail. And quite often, you know, Virgo in general gets judged as being too nitpicky, right? And, um, you know, nagging and that kind of thing. And that is just not the true, the real true expression of, of Venus and Virgo is priestess. And how to honor this energy is to honor that in yourself. Know that you have a natural, abil- a natural ability to know what needs to be done on the most minute level. The, the beauty is in the details is a nice mantra for, Ver- for um, Venus and Virgo. So honoring yourself for that gift of knowing what needs to be done. And the more that you honor that in yourself and feed your Venus, the more others will start to understand your gift and honor you too, right? So it really starts with you getting that, that getting right with your inner critic is big here because the details can easily express in um, self-criticism. So you want to let that shit go. That's patriarchy. That's not you. And reclaim your inner priestess who knows the exact detail of ritual, right? And practice of what needs to be done on a daily basis so that we can really stay connected to our our inner vitality, our inner um, soul's light. You know, Venus and Virgo has a natural ability for that. So Venus in Libra. So here we are in another air sign. And this is again, a cardinal sign. So this is an actional energy. So Venus in Libra is all about connection. <laughs> it's all about partnership and an exploration in that. And it really is, this energy is here to remind us, this expression is here to remind us of the importance of sacred beauty. And quite often, you know, Venus in Libra or Libra in general will be accused of being a people pleaser because they are so about the other, so about connection and also um, being vain, right? Being similar to Leo in that way, being all about them. And here's the thing, we're here, like Venus and Libra folk are here to really elevate beauty, really remind us all of the sacred connection we all have to beauty and to let your beauty shine, your elegance shine is is a beautiful gift you give to the world. And Venus here really wants to remind us of the beauty and the depth that can happen in sacred partnership. So honoring and feeding your Venus and not letting other people shame you for your desire for that connection 
right? And your desire to shine your beauty, so important to get right with that in yourself. And when you do, others will feel it and honor it as well. So Venus in Scorpio. So here we are in another water sign and a fixed sign. So this again is self-referred energy, not selfish. (laughs) So Venus in Scorpio, this energy wants to be felt deeply. Venus in Scorpio wants to be honored for her depth of her emotional depth of her inner knowing of the mysteries of death and rebirth. Venus in Scorpio is very much the energy of the sorceress, the shaman, the witch, who's not afraid to be an edge walker, not afraid of the process of letting things fall apart and understanding what that we need to think, let things die so that new life can reemerge, right? Venus in Scorpio really has that dialed in, has a natural abil- ability to understand those mysteries. And that's why it's connected to sex, right? Because death and rebirth is really um, connected to the deeper sexual tantric mysteries of being reborn through our sexual energy. So this energy is deep, it's very penetrative, it's can be very focused, and it's been very demonized, very exiled through the patriarchy. So don't let anybody make you wrong um, about you know Venus and Scorpio being jealous and vindictive and all of the negative things you might see in horoscope astrology. It really, in its higher expression, right, when you really embody it, you feed your Venus, honor your Venus. This is such a beautiful gift that you bring to the world, reminding us all about the depth and the empowerment that comes through feeling the deepest, toughest emotions and the alchemy. Venus and Scorpio, very much about alchemy, the alchemy that can come from that. Such, such a beautiful expression of Venus. So Venus in Sagittarius. So here we are in another fire sign, and this is a mutable sign, again, a changeable energy. This sign needs freedom, needs to be untethered. Venus in Sagittarius is all about the quest, the adventure, the continual unfolding of the mystery of life. It really is that energy of like, once you climb a mountain, whether it's a physical or metaphorical mountain, Venus in Sagittarius is looking for what's next? Where can I go next? How can I expand my consciousness even more, right? So it's it's this energy that loves to be on on the the quest for truth, on the path, loves to have um, partners on the path in terms of a trail mate, someone alongside them that won't slow them down, that won't try to cage them in, right? So this energy loves to be free, needs to be free. And therefore, it can be accused of being, say, detached, right? Non-committal, a, a commitment phobe, and things like that. It, it, the eternal Peter Pan kind of energy. And again, uh, by honoring your Venus, your your need for freedom, your need to explore. This is an energy that maybe really loves to travel and go to foreign lands, learn foreign languages and culture that really comes alive in that kind of vibration and maybe needs to really tune into when you need to be moving on, you know, and when people try to really put out your fire where you need to, you know, keep it going, keep it burning. That's what you need to be looking out for, right? And really honor your own need to have your fire burn and her unique expression. And then others will start to honor that as well. 
So Venus and Capricorn, here we are in another earth sign, and this is a cardinal energy. So this is an actional energy. This is energy that wants to get things done. <laughs> and Venus and Capricorn can be really misunderstood, again, through the lens of patriarchy. This is an energy that cares deeply about the earth, cares deeply about humanity, and cares deeply about future generations. So this is an energy that really wants to create the structures, the containers, the systems that will serve long-term to really help future generations thrive, yeah? So it's not about being a buzzkill. It's not about putting rules and regulations on people. You'll see that negative expression or um, that explanation in horoscope astrology, but this energy needs to be honored, needs to be fed, needs to be honored for the ability of... Um, making things useful. The word useful can get a bad rap, but Venus in, in um, Capricorn wants whatever, whatever she's engaging in, she needs to know that it's connected to something bigger, to something that has a higher purpose, that something is really useful, again, to create um, a better world, a better world even going forward to future generations. This is the energy of the council of grandmothers, right? So it's a, a very feminine energy. And it's about, um, again, being responsible and again, pragmatic, but really landing that in a way that can definitely be deeply sensual and pleasurable, but using the, um, you know, pleasure and beauty and divine love in a way that really serves. You know, Venus and Capricorn wants to deeply serve in that way. And it, it's such a beautiful expression. So Venus and Aquarius, and here we are in another air sign. And this is a fixed energy. This is again, self-referred, not selfish. Venus and Aquarius can come off as being detached. And there's a reason for that, right? Venus and Aquarius wants to be able to pull back and her, what she wants to be honored for is her ability of getting an eagle's eye view, of being able to pull back and see the big picture. Venus in Aquarius cares deeply about humanity, really has beautiful ideas of how we can move forward to create more of a utopian existence, right? And every Venus and Aquarian woman I've known has, has a real passion for that, really sees the big picture, wants to align with communities that are doing inventive inventive things, like really experimental things in creating a more utopian existence on the planet. So it's, it's a really beautiful, inventive energy. And this energy needs to be honored for her uniqueness, her maybe outside the box thinking, this is an energy that is connected to the planet Uranus. So this is, um, you know, the energy of revolution of really being incredibly unique and avant-garde, if you will, really zany even, <laughs> of being able to just show up, let your freak flag fly is another way to say that, of you're not going to fit in. This is outside the box energy. And there's a reason for that. There's a beautiful function to that. And not letting yourself be made wrong for that is really key. You want to really honor you know, your beautiful gifts and feed your Venus's ability to, again, zoom out and have that outside the box, you know, now for something completely different type of take on life, where we can have these innovations that are so desperately needed. So Venus in Pisces, here we are back in the water element. And this is a changeable, mutable energy that really wants to be honored for her beautiful gift of 
being able to dissolve in the sea of love, dissolving boundaries, and reminds us all of the oneness that we all are, how we're all connected. This energy is very dreamlike, very visionary, very mystical. And it's it's the the energy of the, the poet, the mystic. And Venus in Pisces, again, really wants to be fed with lots of spaciousness, right? Needs a lot of freedom, very sensitive energy, needs a lot of space and emotional freedom to connect with the beauty of nature, to connect with um, the cosmos, to connect with her own spiritual guides so that she can do what she came here to do, which is to remind us all of the beauty of ecstasy, of really allowing ourselves to trip out on our connection to the divine. This is a very compassionate energy, a very loving energy. Um, it, it reminds me of the goddess Kuan Yin, right? So it's this beautiful mystical energy that again, the planet is starving for. And it's been an energy that's hard to land in the patriarchy, right? Because there's so many um, structures and rules put around how we should be human and where Venus and Pisces really needs to let all that go and really um, allow allow the daydreams to flow, allow the intuition to flow. And that's where you really tap into your genius. So honoring that, um, you know, that need, honoring your inner mystic, your inner poet is is so key with this placement. All right, so that was just a very brief introduction of Venus through the signs. So I really encourage you to have fun with this and do your own research online. It could be super fun just looking it up. And I do want to give you a heads up that when you see any kind of negative take on your archetype of your Venus, I want you to reframe it on that's just Venus when she's hungry, when she's not honored. And just see how that feels in your body. Play with that. All right, my love, that's all for this episode. I will catch you next time. You take care. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you're resonating with what I'm sharing here on the show, and perhaps you're curious, you want to know more, you want to go deeper, I've created a free masterclass for you to explore. It's called the Vital Goddess Masterclass. And in that masterclass, we go deeper into the concepts that I cover here in the podcast, basically all about reclaiming your pleasure, unleashing your unique expression of the sacred feminine, and rebirthing your life at midlife with a Taoist jade egg practice. It's pretty robust. You want to carve out some time to really take in the information, but you can find um, a link to that in the show notes. It's totally free. And I would love it if you check that out. There's a lot there. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of it packed with value. Very robust. And if you have a woman or women in your life that you feel would benefit from what I'm sharing here on the show, please share the love, pass it along. I would so appreciate that as well. I just really feel the world's going to be a better place the more that, um, that we connect as turned on women. And if you happen to be listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, it's never been easier to leave a review. And I would so appreciate it if you did that. And um, it, it's really easy. You just scroll down. You'll see a little place where you can just type in a review. It used to be more complicated. But on the app, they've made it super easy. And that is a way for women to find this podcast, women who need it the most. So if you have the time, it would only take about 60 seconds now with this new 
your situation, you can just scroll down and leave a review. Be so deeply appreciated. All right. Bye for now. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. I will catch you next time. Take care.